Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me uh, with, a, with a guest, with a guest for a conversation. It's uh, Matt Balkhalter plus EV Analytics on Twitter. You should follow him on Twitter. Also, plusevanalytics.com as well as he's part of the, the crew at uh, analytics.bet. If you want to you learn some nerdy stuff about about, about betting we on sports. We have all kinds of nerdy stuff to, to satisfy all your nerdy stuff learning needs. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, to me, DFS and sports betting is more of a, a more of a nerdy adventure, less less than uh, you know, like you take a look at who's who's good at DFS, who's good at sports betting. You take a look at them and you go, I don't think these guys could hit a baseball at all. Oh, absolutely not. Although I played a mean second base back when I was a teenager, but <laughs> I say this a lot: sports betting and and the same would go for DFS. This is a math contest. Like this is knowing sports helps. It, you're you're better off knowing something about sports than knowing nothing about sports because it gives you context to the the, the numbers you're crunching. But if you come in here with sports knowledge and nothing else, no advanced analytics. No uh, market knowledge, no uh, numerical optimization that I'm sure you would do in DFS. If sports knowledge is all you have, you are DOA, my friend. No chance. Would you, would you, would you ponder that it's possible that having a little bit of statistical and math knowledge sometimes could even be worse? Well, yeah, a little bit could be worse because a little bit gets you into trouble. It's better to have no analytics than bad analytics. And there's all kinds of examples plastered all over Twitter these days of, you know, nonsense trends. This person, this team is, you know, they've won 65% of their games as a favorite uh, on a Monday after a win when they didn't make the playoffs the last year. And, and yeah, I think that would be a good example of, of knowing a little bit can get you into a lot of trouble. Because but the people worst want thing- that stuff. I mean, I mean, I've heard, you know, I listen to like Circles Off podcasts, like Rob Pizzola talks about it and Spanky. I mean, I listen to, you know, Bet the Process, like kind of like, like that. Oh, those guys are good. Those got those guys like th- that's that's the high end stuff. Like I- I'm down in the dregs <laughs> of like people who have no clue. I'm not going to call them out on here, right? But I'm, but, but they we know who what, they are. What we're talking about. I mean, the majority of people you you show them a stat and you go, well, so far this season, uh, home favorites after a day game are 21 and eight. Like like is is what? I mean, it's obviously sampling bias it's obvious i mean like it's so obvious yet it's obvious i, to I, you feel, I feel like, i feel like those stats are are used as a way to justify a sports take rather oh, than sure. than actually be be useful like how I'm not, I'm not i almost sure. feel I, like I, how do people fall for it i i i'm pretty sure that these bad stats takes are given in good faith. I don't think people are out there saying, I'm going to, I'm going to hoodwink these guys. I'm sure there are a couple out there who are, but I think even worse is these people actually believe their own stuff and you can't totally blame them. This is human nature. You know, this is, this is the reptile brains that we're all born with and have been, uh, you know, evolved from, from monkeys. Like this is, we didn't evolve to think probabilistically about really complex situations. Some of us have picked that up, 
over the millions of years between then and now. But th there, there are, if you go to the Wikipedia uh, article on cognitive biases, there's probably a hundred of them that we are just naturally vulnerable to. And, and yeah, sampling bias and, and an overfitting of, of randomness are, are just a couple of examples of the just probably a hundred or more cognitive biases that, that, that are really getting in our way, our, our own reptile brains get in our way when we're trying to analyze data and, and make some kind of predictive conclusion about what will happen today or tomorrow or next season based on what we know about what's happened in the past. It's not easy. Do, do you think that even, even those that, that have a deeper understanding of statistics, overfitting is a problem in and of itself? I mean, like, like oh, you, you, you could easily model stuff and, and not even realize that that you are overfitting until like a long well, especially time. now with the with with the the new generation of machine learning tools, like it's it's made overfitting easier than it's ever been before, and, it, and it's it's so I don't know if you do any of that stuff um, in in your world. But. Well, I mean, in DFS, for instance, let me give an example in yeah. DFS. Like, I I I mean, I. I think probabilistically. So like my, my natural inclination is sample size too small. Uh, it probably means nothing, right? Like, like those types, or there's another root cause for it. And it just so happens it shows up more often than not, but it's not for the reason that you think. So I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll see this a lot in like MLB. We have MLB going on in DFS. Now uh, MLB DFS, because of the correlation between batters, is primarily a stacking based sport when you play. Sure. You're typically you typically playing on DraftKings like five batters from one team, right? Five three. Do you play five three, five two one, four three? Like like I think it's more important. I always explain that it's more important to know that correlation helps you more than it hurts you. And don't get necessarily in the weeds of, well, is this five two one lineup better than this five three lineup? It's like you make more of your money over the people that aren't correlating that the gap between the two is fine, but you'll get these stats. Someone will analyze. They go, okay, I went to last season, Matt. I went to last season. I downloaded all of the DraftKings $15 large field GPPs, right? I, I downloaded yep. them all. There was like 180 of them. And 32% uh, of the time, uh, you know, uh, they'll say like, Six, the, it'll be something like this. 68% of the time, uh, a five-man stack won the contest, right? Okay. And 10% of the time, a four-man stack won. And like, they'll, they'll go through all of this and then people go, well, well, that means you should always five-man stack because 68% of the time it wins. But they don't Situation realize Situation dependent, that, right? Right, right. They don't, they don't realize that, that it... Or you get this, this, this is an even better one. This happens in NBA a lot. Uh, some 87% owned player, right? There'll be someone that's mispriced, obviously, for their median projection. And it'll be like 4K for whatever. He'll only put up like 24 points, right? Which is fine for a 4K salary, but not like, do you need need him? No. Like if he puts up 40, 50 points, yeah, you you're probably going to need him to win when he's 87% owned. And then someone will ask me, it's like, oh, he only put up 24 points. Uh, he's probably not going to be in the winning lineup. But I said, no, he's more likely. He's actually, he's, I would bet you even money that he's going to be in the winning line, lineup. It, it's tough because if it, what if he was 99% owned? You're probably better off fading him 
and and steering away from the crowds. Like it's yeah, but it's but I'm really... talking more more about just the statistical nature of the sure. fact that 87 percent of lineups have him in it. It makes it more likely that a lineup within would be all, would all be else the equal. Lineup. Yeah, just just you know just looking at yeah right. So when people bring up the stacks in MLB and they go, well, here are the stack dynamics for the contest type. Don't it's like well oh I see you have they're a population not issue of the general population of lineups how many four man stacks and five man they don't tell tell you that can right you, is that available from the data you can no find? of course it's available but the the opposite ends up happening also you'll see what what will end up happening this it's more likely that this happens because at least if you like if you came to the conclusion that you that five man stack lineups win a lot of the time and then you say well I'm going to do that more. Like you're more closer to the right answer. Like you like, like yeah. It's not as dramatic as you think, but you'd be better off. You'd be more likely to build plus EV lineups with a five man stacks. But what ends up happening is that uh, the large field contest will be won by a lineup with like one offs, like some weird two one. Like somehow someone banged their head against the keyboard and managed to hit all the people that hit two home runs, even if they're two percent owned. And the one percent owned pitcher that put up thirty points, and they'll go. Well, that lineup won, and then two days later, they'll see that type of lineup win again. Everyone's trying to copycat. Right, and they'll go, well, why am I stacking? I see these lineups win first place, like, maybe 20% of the time or something like that. It just happened. The recency bias, right? Jordan won the lottery yesterday. I'm going to – he's really good at picking numbers. I'm going to tail his lottery picks for for next week's draw because he won last week, right? Well, I'm I'm talking, Matt, more about, like, in poker – I don't know if it, if you know the term implicit collusion. Yes. So like like when when people point out it's like look at this this random guy with one lineup in the fifteen dollar thirty thousand entry contest, he won with some weird combination. I'm like, yeah, that's a negative EV lineup. It doesn't mean doesn't mean he can't win. It just means it's not people profitable. Say, oh, it must be rigged. If, if, if that if that lineup won, it must be rigged, right? There's right. No well, way. you get that also. The but the point that. is, is that there twenty percent of the lineups look like that. So one of those schmucks, one of these five thousand lineups, like always has one of these has the rare, you know what? But there's because there's five thousand of them, like it's by it, randomness, right? I I, I tell I tell these people, it's like you show me someone that's building all one-off lineups that wins consistent. Like if you're yeah. showing me that this one user. Doesn't Pick play five man stacks, off lineup, line, and he constantly the, wins with the that one that won. Right there's yeah. a there's a difference there. It's like it's never the same person. It's just some random Joe Schmo on the toilet. But those are the statistical stuff. Those are the things that like people that don't think deeply enough into statistics view as analytics, view as sure. statistics, and th- the sample size has to be so large in order to prove them. Like to them, their brain's wrong. That it takes so like it it almost it almost feels like it takes forever to get the concepts actually like across to them that oh totally right like so it, ha, like I know that you teach some of this stuff is now the right time to tell you I don't actually play DFS no no I know is, that is now is now the right <laughs> yeah but you under, you but you obviously Your listeners might not what the obviously hell is this well guy I also here? want to talk to you about the link between <laughs> transitioning from DFS into sports betting but I think I, that I, that these statistics- I look at DFS and I'm like this is no I'm out this is too hard. You, well, you it's it's to, <laughs> it's too it's more complex than sports betting. Much more, a million times more. So, so I, I was going to ask you, like, what is the? I, I played DFS for a little bit back when DFS was the hot thing before before sports betting was really legal anywhere. 
And, and you know, I put in five hundred bucks once, made some lineups, lost a bunch, and was like, "All right, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even begin to think about how one might optimize a, a partial information problem like this." Now that DFS is, I don't want to say passe, but the the the, tr- the trend followers have moved on to sports betting or something else. Who's left at DFS? Is it all sharps, or or is no. there enough square money there to? There's enough. To, there's to, enough to feed you. If you download the CSVs, especially in the in the large field stuff, there's I mean, there's tons of it. Like, dude, I I showed on my show like last week on Roto Grinders. Like, dude, I downloaded in like okay, thirty three percent of lineups in this contest don't even have a four man stack in MLB. Wow. So it's like so the money drawing the, dead, right? Yeah. The, well, you're not drawing dead. Not it's just dead. Just, right. Dead. But I mean, you're you're behind the eight ball because you're like you're giving up <laughs> theoretical you know, high-end variants because you don't have a correlated lineup. So it's like yeah. you're... you're, you're, and <laughs> like this, you're is, this is one thing that I think is is somewhat common between sports betting and, and DFS is you have to understand the entire probability distribution. Mm. Um, it's true when you're looking at things like alt lines, alt totals, you know, really, really uh, high odds, uh, same game parlay, stuff like that. And the same thing would be true if you're in a large field GPP where you... You cannot go in there and and achieve your median result and 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 cash right. You've got to you've got to put yourself in a position where if I get a ninety nine point nine percentile result out of my team, I will win this thing. So it's not about having the highest median or having the highest mean. Like you have to you have to set yourself up for that tail event. And I can see a lot of people not getting that is that is that how it is yeah well i mean uh, the the two the two ways to build the worst lineups the the negative ev lineups are lineups that are either too low projected or too high owned so like right. the the difference between sports betting and dfs is that sport that dfs is more i don't want to call it paramutual but it, it, it is kind of it, it's, it is kind of like the sites are taking somewhere between 10 and 15 percent rake obviously a little bit six to eight in the highest stakes but in the lowest stakes, they're taking somewhere 12 to 15%. And then, like, you're not beating them. They're take, it doesn't, to them, it doesn't matter who wins and who loses. And then you're competing against other people. So the market is determined. The market is not... You have to predict what the market will do before. And it's, so it's not a matter of, I project Spencer Strider to have a median of 29 today. And his his 75th percentile outcome is 37 points and his 15th percentile outcome is 9.8. Like, and then based on that, it's like, well, based on that distribution, is he worth play? Is is he on on his own plus EV for 62% own for six? Then you got to figure out whatever. Right. Because it's not because what the the number one thing that people do when they first get into DFS is that they go, I want to try I want to score the most points. And it's not a game of scoring the most points. It's a game of scoring more points than your opponents. And you could do that by not having the less, least points that people are sharing amongst themselves. So, like, when, when people play these chalky lineups, they go, I'm just going to play the best plays and try to beat 50,000 people. It's like... Forget it. Like, dude, if your line, if you, if your players do well, like, it's not just you having these points. It's like a thousand other They're people. They're going to chop with a thousand people, right? Right. So, like, you need to find points that other people don't have. So the points that other people don't have are worth more to you than the points that other people... And once once you have that dynamic, then you could start building lineups that you're sacrificing projection for the sake of getting points that other people don't have. But in sports betting, 
Like that doesn't that like, dude, uh, for it at, at I know theoretically you're competing against other betters theoretically because it's a market. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it's similar to. It's similar to horse racing because right. in horse racing, it is a paramutual pool. And in horse racing, if you can assign a win probability to each horse in a race, in sports betting, you're done. You compare that to the odds you're getting and you find your, your plus EV bets. In horse racing, you're half done. That's half the job because now you've got to figure out where are the odds going to finish. You can see where they are in real time with you know three minutes of post time. But all the sharp money comes in last minute, last two minutes, last 10 seconds in some places. So you have to project what the odds are going to be with partial information, which is similar to what you guys do in, in, in DFS. So you should, you should, I don't know if you have already, you should have some, uh, some horse sharps on here to, to talk about similarities. Well, that, in, that in is, detail, for, for, those, for, those, for those that aren't used to horse betting, people may not realize that like when you bet, like if it's 15 minutes to post and... The two horses, you know, five to one, and you bet 10 bucks, like you're not going to get 50 bucks from that because it may close at three to one. You're going to get paid that price. Like in, in you, Europe, you will. But here in, in North America, no, it's a paramutual system. You're going to they're going to take when the when the race ends, they're going to divide all the money in the pool by all the bets on the winning horse and whatever that is, that is. So yeah, you, you you might bet a horse at 15 to one. It wins and you're getting six to one. Five to one, three right? Because you're, but is would it be, would it be similar if the, if it was like sports betting? Imagine you're betting uh, minus one eighty on some NBA team on the money line, and it and you bet a hundred bucks or whatever, and then it closes at minus two forty. Well, you're gonna get paid the minus two. Like, there's you no such the thing price. as closing line value in horse racing because no, you you don't you want the opposite of closing line value, right? You you, you want where the price lengthens. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's uh, there's there's a whole other dimension to this that I think horse players are aware of, and you guys in DFS are aware of. But the vast majority of, of mainstream sports betting is in a fixed odd system where you 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 see the odds and you either take it or leave it. So <laughs> in a way, it's a lot simpler than than what you you're dealing with. So many dimensions, the game theory dimension. I'm going to pick a lineup. It's got to be optimally correlated. I got to use my salary cap in the, the best possible way. But I don't want a duplicate lineup and chop this thing with 50 other people. And I, I I don't know who's owning what, but I can see from yesterday when these teams played who owned what. Like it is a it is a crazy complicated problem. I don't know. Yeah, but the, but the edge but the edges in DFS are much greater. Like. Uh, would it would it be true? I would think so. You may you may disagree, to some extent, that if you took if you took two equal people that may not have an analytics background, they may like they're just basically like I'm going to open up DraftKings and I'm going to put together a lineup for this for this for this DFS GPP, or I'm going to put that money and bet on a a spread or a total. Right? We don't even have to go to props yep. yet, but just a spread yep. or a total that. The they would be uh, someone that doesn't know what they're doing would be way better off betting on sports than playing DFS. Not even close. Way better. You bet on sports. You you, you just close your eyes and make a pick. Um, at a at a traditional sports book, you're paying minus one ten. You're fifty fifty to win on let's say a spread or a total. You're you're minus one ten, so it's a four and a half percent house edge that you were giving up, which is more than you're giving up at you know blackjack or most casino games. But 
if you go into DFS, what's the rake on these things? 10%, 15%? 10 to 15%. 10 to 15%. So you're, you're in the hole 10 to 15% before you start. But then on top of that, you're paying the sharp players because they're taking money out of the pool. If I'm, if I'm randomly betting on a, a spread or a total and I'm taking 110, I can be pretty confident I'm flipping coins. I'm flipping coins for minus 110. You guys are paying 10 to 15% rake. It's the same as horse, squares in the horse betting world. They're actually even worse. They're paying 20, 25% rake in some places. And they're paying off all the sharps out there who, who have their, uh, their computer models. But yeah, if, you, if, you're a, if you're somebody who just is new to this and doesn't have much of an analytical background and thinks, hey, I'm going to look at my salary cap and look at my stats and figure out who the best players are, yeah, I mean they they might get lucky once in a while, but you I wouldn't be surprised if you weren't better off buying a lottery ticket, like a like a 649 lottery ticket. You th- those things are probably 40 to 50% house edge and it would be a tough decision whether a random guy in the street is better off spending 20 bucks on lottery tickets versus 20 bucks on a on a DFS lineup. It's close in to, my to, opinion. To get to the next level though, like thinking on top of that, I'm just thinking from a psychological perspective. That would be a good, like, I think, this, this is a weird thought experiment, Matt. If you took the two average people, like the two random people off the street, and it's like, okay, go play DFS, go you go play sports betting, and you came back in five years, I think that the person that's playing DFS is more likely to be profitable than the guy that's playing that's sports betting for the site. Why? Why? Because they learned in the five right, years. Right. Because, because DFS, if you don't play well, you lose so quickly that you would learn of like, oh, maybe I should be correlating in baseball. Maybe like you'd end up just by trial and error going, I'm sick of losing. Like in GPPs, they only pay like the top twenty so percent of the field. Like, so even on, even on, if everyone was equally skilled, you're losing four out of five days as it is. So I would think that after a period of time, the person playing DFS would go, there had, like, there has to be a way for me to do better at this. Let me figure this out more. But sports betting, because a lot of times it's virtual coin flips at like yeah. smaller edges, that it's quite possible just based on, ran- they would just on bleed slowly. Yeah. right? That, that they, they don't see. Like at the, cause Hey dude, you talk, talk to anyone that, that sports bets regularly. I play poker. I'm at the poker table. I hear this shit all the time of like, yeah. well, how'd you do last season? It's like, you hear one of two answers. Either you, either you hear, Oh, I, I did very well, which is typically a lie. Or you said, I break even, I broke even, which is a lie, which means they lost. Like it's, lie. like, yeah. like it's like, it's one, it's one of the two. You rarely ever hear it's like, yeah, and bad season last year. If I hear well, someone that says bad season, they probably are a winning better because it's like, oh, random, you got variance bad on that season. But I could see that the sports better after a season of MLB, like they could be negative EV and, and be up a couple of hundred bucks and not oh, realize that if they continue playing this way, you're pretty much bleeding like four or five percent of your money. Oh yeah, and they never get better. The average sports better is not improving over the course of a year or even five years. I, I agree with you on that. I, I think you give humanity maybe a little more credit than I do because the DFS guy, you're right, he's going to lose and he's going to lose quickly unless he gets super lucky. But is that going to cause him to hit the books and and figure this stuff out, or is he going to either 
they're throw more quit. money in or they're quit. quit. I they're mean, quit, right? but I'm, the, the example I'm giving is that if we made them like you have to play for five years, if you, if you have to play for five years. I, I think they would just like this. This is a I don't think this is something that that a random person. Maybe I, I'm overestimating the, the skill level in DFS, but just looking at it from somebody who knows more or less what they're doing, like you'd have to give me a year full time to even begin to think I could beat DFS. It's, What's it's a mu- random it's, it's guy going to do? It's much, it's much easier than you think. Is it? Well, yes. we'll have to talk offline because it's, right. it's just to me, it's it's overwhelmingly complex. No, it's overwhelmingly complex, but the mistakes that people make are so obvious that as so long that, as you avoid those mistakes, you're typically you're typically in the in the in the black. You're you're beating your you're ahead of half the field, and then you just have to right you know, right. Plus Essentially, you're, you're competing against the the. So when, you don't overthink you, it. Right, right. So, a, a lot of yeah, the best players are winning the most money, but you could still be profitable sure. as long as you're not making them. It's very similar to poker. Of like, what's the quote? Uh, David's Clancy or something like. You make more money off of the mistakes of your opponents than the brilliance of your own play. Like sure. it's a lot of DFS is a lot of DFS is is surviving variance and not making huge mistakes and then having some basis. I want to talk to you about this. Okay, because I, I think maybe you would disagree with me on Try me. In, in this conversation. I mean, we're just having a conversation. It's not an interview or anything. Uh, DFS involves projection models. Like, and for the most part, like a lot of the projection models, because DFS is mature enough in the space that the models that are publicly available, you may have to pay for them, are really good. Like, it's very hard to build your own that would be significantly better than what's available for the purposes of DFS, right? Okay. For the purpose, I'm not even going to sports betting at this point, but for the purposes of DFS, yeah, like I agreed. could, I could use Derek Cardi's bat projections for DFS. And if I were to try to make my own model, like it would take me five years to maybe even get to the point where they're as accurate as his. Sure. Why am I spending yeah, all that? Why am I spending all that? Like it, like, I'm not sure if I could beat what's currently out there from an accuracy standpoint long term that like I'm much like I'm much more so likely the, to use use that but sure because DFS is a game where you have to consider what other people are doing simply having projections is like table stakes it's like you have to have a basis of turning player names into numbers of going what's the range of outcomes of this player and then you have to go well what is the field how is the field going to deviate from how they should be based on yeah. these probabilities and that's where the money comes from in sports betting the money doesn't come necessarily from that that the the quote the quote that i hear is that if it's public i'm not sure if you agree with it i i i think you're you're more on the side of if if something is publicly available, it's already priced into the line. In most cases, I would agree with that. If 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 it was true in all cases, nobody would make money in sports betting unless they had inside information. Right. And people do. There aren't many of them. So so it is possible. Um, so no, like I mean, for the, for instance for instance Matt, I'm giving the I'm my eating my own dog food. I use Derek Cardi's bat projections to bet on baseball props. I, I get all kinds of Derek Cardi. He, he, his, his Twitter is EV analytics. I'm plus EV analytics. So I get DMs well, all the time. He, he doesn't write EV analytics. Just, just licenses his projections. Uh, okay. for their well, I get all kinds of DMs asking about right. my, my bat projections. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're right. the wrong guy. Anyway, right. But go he, on. he's been doing football and, and baseball DFS 
and and season long fan graphs. He's been doing projections for a long time. I use them for props, and I've been using them for two years. And do what? Like, can I make? We'll get into another conversation. Can you make a million dollars doing that? No, no. But like, if you if you could beat if you beat the market to some of this stuff, it's available. I mean, like. But it's not the type of thing like what people what people try to do is they go oh I'm gonna uh, it's a what what is it uh, six forty five Eastern let me see what bets are available it's like there's nothing there's nothing fucking available it's like no, like you need no. to you need to look at this shit at like ten in the morning and and well, you, have to, get your, you have to get your you have to get your half a strike out here you have to get right. your, your your this one's off two pitching outs this one's off you know a half a hit well, a lap. especially if you're going off of DFS projections which I, I don't do myself but I have heard others do that quite successfully using DFS projections to, to beat prop markets. But you're right because th- these are not, you know, customized Jordan Cooper DFS projections. Anybody can, can buy them. Right. So if you're using them to beat the prop markets, then you're not the only one with that thought. So you, you got to hit them early. Otherwise you're, you're SOL. But that, but that's, that's exactly what I do. But the, pr- the problem comes in, I'm, I'm going to call it a problem is that I say this and people still don't do it. I mean, like, like, it's beatable to a certain extent, but like the your the notion of like, well, the market is you know it, oh it's already in the market. I'm not. It, I'm, it's, I think it's, it shows that it's is, not. It's 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 a lot of times it's not in the market for the limits that are in prop markets for right. spreads and totals. I could get that like spreads and totals are way more liquid and efficient markets that if you have some some model or something that you're buying. That like you could go twenty minutes before close and, ha- and get you know fifteen percent edges. I'm telling you, it's a pipe dream. Like that, like that doesn't ex- like that doesn't exist. I mean, it might, but it might be somebody who's kept it so secret that they're 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 uh, they're just just taking. But I'm the just money saying, it wouldn't it. be available for you to buy for no, hundred bucks. It would not. Mar- market efficiency is not a yes or no question. It's mm-hmm. a it's a sliding scale, right? It depends on what you're betting into, how liquid the markets are, what the limits are. What information is out there? Um, yeah, it's it's a the the market dynamics are a little bit different between betting and, and DFS because at least in betting you sort of know you know what the number is that you're betting into and you can decide okay I, I my number is more accurate than that or or not where you're right in DFS the number is kind of table stakes and it's it's almost I would say secondary to the the the, the question right you if if I have projections and you have projections that are ten percent better than mine. How much of an edge does that give you? Probably not much. peanuts, right? Right. But in, but, in but betting, if I have projections and you don't have any projections, my edge is humongous. Oh yeah. If I'm if I'm going on looking looking in the newspaper and saying, okay, well, this guy has a two seventy eight batting average, and so I'm gonna you know this is he's gonna get two hits today. Then, then yeah, forget it. Are there people like given how how top heavy the structures are, how high the rake is? Are people still in the pool who are playing this badly? Is is there yes. an influx of new players? Yes. Like, I mean, where's the, the money coming pay, from? Yes, the, I'm telling you, yes. It's the same people. The, the main draw away from DFS are SGPs. Yeah, okay. It's the same type of, like, the thing The thing that I'm waiting for personally is, I, I think we're probably five, ten years away from it, is that, like, the reason why... DFS is profitable. I mean, it has been for se- over seven years. Is that I'm good at the game theory aspect of the gameplay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the person building the models. Like, I do. I know the concepts better than the average person. Yes. 
can I build a rudimentary model in Excel? Yes, I can. Is it going to be anywhere close to? No, of course not. I'm, I'm also good at like the algorithm has the projected ownership at 17%. And I'm like, now I know how humans are. He's going to be 24%. Like, yeah. that, and that's something he was in the news can't... yesterday. He's, he's, he's at the, in the, the, he's at the top of people's consciousness. Right. Or, or it's a type it's of something. thing where, yeah, where yeah. if you run lineups through an optimizer, through a lineup builder, like he's this cheap guy that comes up in, in a scarce position. So even though he probably should only be 12% owned, he's probably going to end up being 20% owned because people are just going to jam him in to fit in sure. Mike Trout or something. Like it's one of those types of things. Now, uh, Going from there, it's like in the in the in the in the sports betting space, I'm I'm waiting for the, the games that are similar to like it, you have to have a game where or a betting where you could turn a little bit into a lot. Like that's the most appealing part of DFS. Why do people still oh, play yeah. DFS? And why are the softest contests the ones that are fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, a first place? I want to pay ten or fifteen bucks. And have a chance of winning a hundred thousand. I don't want to turn fifteen dollars into forty bucks or something. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right. So SGPs, the, the same game parlays, are kind of the, the same type of parlays in general. Like I'm going to hit a twelve leg parlay. I'm going to put down five bucks and you know pays out <laughs> sixteen thousand. You know, like that's what they want to do. I'm waiting for the convergence of the two, where it's something like, like as simple as like the Westgate Super Contest on a given day, of like. You have to choose between, you know, seven out of the six out of these 40 bets, right? And it's a $5 entry and everyone submits six out of the 40 bets. And the ones that, you know, if you get, you know, the most right or, you know, something like that, the first place pays a hundred thousand dollars or where, where people would be placing like a, a card of like, they're putting it together, their parlay of yep. maybe eight, eight bets out of a hundred or something or whatever the hell it was. And then it's like, well, you're just, we're taking 15% out of the prize pool and we're giving back everything else in first place. If you get, if you get eight out of eight with the tiebreaker, you get first place. If you get eight out of eight and you're one off on the tiebreaker, you get second, you know, seven out of seven. A poker tournament type. Right. A poker tournament type of thing. Or a a GPP. Yeah. Right. Because then it becomes, okay, feel free to model and put together your parlay. But now it's like, well, you know, especially when they keep it fixed, right? Because you'd have to keep it fixed. Like, you wouldn't be able to go with market movement. You would have to come out with the lines No. So early. what you're talking about is a paramutual sports book. Right. And I, I've had the idea for a few years now. I am trying to find the, the enough free time and the right partner to build it with. But it's one of those ideas that's kind of been sitting on my back burner for, for a few years now. And I'm, I'm maybe coming at it from a little bit of a different place than you are. Because I agree with you. People want to spend a little and win a lot. There's, there's, a, there's a million different ways to do that. We don't have to build another way to do that. Although it, it does kind of combine the appeal of sports betting with that kind of bet a little, win a lot kind of thing. The, the reason I am bullish on the paramutual model as a future sports betting model is right now. So, so you had poker, you, you, I'm sure you were around in the, in the poker, the, the height of the poker boom, like I was. Yep. I, I started so, playing in what, 2002, 2003. Yeah. Okay. So I started around the same time. So over time, the, the bad, number one, the bad players drop out. The number two, the good players get better. And number three, poker is not in the public conscience consciousness as much as it once was. So the player pool is getting sharper and sharper over time. 
the poker sites don't care. They get their rake either way. They want they want the most number of people possible playing their games, and and they 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 don't care who wins. Same thing with DFS. They get their rake. They don't care who wins. Sports books they care who wins. They have to set a good line because if they set a bad line, they are vulnerable to something called adverse selection, mm. where you know the, the they will get one sided action. And it will tend to be on the side they don't want. And they can actually get themselves into a negative EV situation by not being either not being sharp enough to, to make an opener or being too slow to move when the market moves. So the state of the sports betting universe right now is you have, I think it's about 40 different books operating in my home province of Ontario. Most of them have different numbers. So you, you, you pull up an odd screen, whether it's bet stamp or spank odds or unabated, and you can see all the different odds for the same bet at the same time. And so as people, because people don't get, people, people don't get dumber over time. People get sharper over time, natural fact of things, right? As people get sharper and sharper over time, they're going to beat the sports books to the numbers. They are going to pick off the bad numbers more quickly and more efficiently than they are today. And so what's going to happen is you cannot sustain having 40 different sports books making 40 different numbers in the market. You're going to get consolidation. You're going to get the bigger books buying smaller books. You're going to get the worst books going out of business. Um, and all of a sudden, you're only going to have a couple of sustainable sports books left in the market because the players are going to get sharper at a faster have you seen rate. some of these players? I don't know if they do get sharper. The, the, the general population, you, you play poker now. You played poker in 2006 at the absolute height. Right. The, the players are better on average. But you let can't me compare, tell you, right? I played live poker recently. They ain't much better. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> they aren't. There's still maybe, plenty maybe of bad I... people. There's still plenty of bad players. But I but I get your point. Adverse selection is just, just for, for people listening. It's like the books... If they're putting out like 800 million numbers, like they're playing defense on everything while the better is playing offense on everything. It is hard to play defense. No matter how good you are, it is very, very hard to play defense. And so back to the the paramutual sports book idea is eventually, I think, and I I am definitely the minority in in this, and I've been trolled by every corner of gambling Twitter for this, but I'm going to stick by it that I think there will eventually come a point in time where it is not sustainable to play defense, where you can't play good enough defense, at which point you have to either raise the rake to give yourself a little more wiggle room, um, or you have to change the whole model. And in, in, a, in a paramutual sports betting model, you get the same, the appeal to the customers is similar to what it is right now in sports betting. The only thing you'll have to sort of socialize them to is the fact that you don't lock in your price when you bet. Horse, pe- horse players are used to this and, you know, horse racing is not getting any bigger. So those players have to go somewhere too. Um, but you, you avoid the whole problem of having to have a book there that is playing defense. I don't think sports books are making a lot of money right now. I mean, they're spending a ton on marketing and they're saying, oh yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be profitable by 2024. And then it becomes 25, 26, 27. To, to run a good sports book is harder than it seems. Number one, because there's so much damn competition out there that you have to spend millions and millions on getting you know Drew Brees to fake getting uh, hit by lightning or whatever other weird shenanigans these guys are, are spending money on. But on top of all that spend, 
you have to play defense because you have sharp players out there. They're in the minority, but they're there and they are gunning for you. And you you limit them and you ban them and they come back in the next day under a, a you know their 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 mother in law's name or their neighbor's name or like it's it is hard out there playing defense and these sports books are never going to achieve their sort of theoretical hold which i think is one reason why they're they're pushing parlays and same game parlays so much because the holds are ridiculous on those right when you're, when you're starting with four and a half percent on a standard minus 110 you know sharps take their bite out of that and you have something left but it's not much it's not enough to keep the lights on and keep uh keep the drew Brees uh death faking budget uh supplied <laughs> You know, you, you, you have to start moving people into higher and higher hold markets. And then you get back to the same problem you have with DFS, where if you're betting same game parlays that pay 100 to 1, you know, you, you just people just aren't going to, to have a sustainable bankroll long enough. They're going to blow it all. They're eventually going to get sick of losing. They're going to come back a couple of times and then they're going to move on to something else. And I think that's the the I, I am not optimistic about the long term future of of the sports betting industry the way it's currently constructed. But do you think that? But do you think that the market has an appeal to that? Because I don't I don't think so. I I I, I think you give I, I I'm going to say the same thing you said to me. I think you give the public too much credit. <laughs> I, I I think a, I think it's, I I wouldn't build paramutual based on that. I would build paramutual based on. On the point, like, hey, if you said to a, a sports book, like, yeah, you know, bet MGM, points bet, or, you know, some of these really, really not good ones. And you said, hey, what happens if I tell you, you don't have to play defense on spreads or totals anymore? Like, you just yeah. don't, you literally don't, like, you, don't. you just don't even have to offer those bets anymore. Right. And said, you don't, like, you don't even, your, your menu doesn't even have to be that large anymore. They go, okay, well, how could we play defense? It's like, what happens if you don't have to play defense at all? What happens if you, every day, like in every sport, you offer 50 bets. Like that's it. Like you only have a menu of 50, but people yeah. can't make a straight bet. Like they can't go, I'm going to bet, uh, you know, the seven point line for the bills for minus 110. It's like, no, you could put together an eight team parlay, right? Only that we're only allowing that. And the fir- we're guaranteeing the first place prize of a hundred thousand dollars. So like right. put together whatever eight whatever eight bets you want, right? It does obviously once you put all the eight bets together, that it never pay, should pay out a hundred thousand should pay out a hundred and fifty thousand. That's where yeah. the hold comes from. But you just say it's like, no, we're the we're we're the book that takes ten dollars. it's ten bucks and it pays out a hundred thousand. Whatever eight of the like to me, the average Joe would be, I think, would be more appeal. It, it, to me, that's paramutual as in a, the line, and also the lines won't move. So it's like these are the lines in the morning, and if you see that a line, you know, hey, the line moved in everywhere else twenty cents. It's like yeah. all the sharp people be like, well, when I you can put, get the stale line, right? You can get the stale line, but you have to understand that your ten dollar bet shouldn't be ever paying. They're never putting together any fifty. If you pick eight out of fifty, like the the lowest you could get would be like. It should pay out one hundred and fifty thousand, and you're paying out a hundred. Like, dude, you had the hold is nice, and you never have to play because you literally never have to update your lines. And I think that the mark, like that, the market that likes the SGPs and the small money, I I think that's where I think I I see gambling Twitter 
talk so much yeah. about limiting this and limiting that and and which is if you're if you're a professional sports better that matters to you but i think a lot of the appeal of of sports betting is what made dfs big of it's NFL Sunday. Do you want to 20 bucks? You want to hit the jackpot. Right. For a million dollars. You know fantasy football? Oh yeah. I played in my off. Like, dude, yeah. build your lineup and you can play anyone you want within the salary cap, obviously. So it's not like you I have to draft anyone. It's like, dude, you know football more than all these people. Who do you think is gonna do well today? Put together your your nine, ten player lineup. And if you're the best most points, you win a million. Like, why can't you for sports? DFS betting? was a brilliant, brilliant invention as the the gateway drug to uh, to to sports betting. But if I go to MGM and I sell them that, they're going to tell me go to hell. We're fine with what we have right now, holding our seven eight percent, and they are, they are fine now. But I worry about the future, and, I, and I'm not saying but this the could whole be an add on, Matt. Start. This could be. I'm not saying they even have to change. Why not have like you take a look at DraftKings and FanDuel and their DFS product. Like yeah. they don't have to innovate. Like it works as it's like it sits alongside. It sits alongside, and it's something where it's like we don't have to. They don't have to play defense. Fernando Tatis the other day came back from the, the IL, and he was priced at two minimum price. Yeah. Like if imagine imagine he comes back from the the IL, and the books put out a line of like total bases of a half at at plus four hundred. Like yep. that's what the two K to T C I'm sure it's an algorithm that didn't know anything about them. Right. But it doesn't hurt them because they take their fifty like like yeah. all it means is that Fernando Tatis is gonna be 70, 80% owned, right? And then you have to determine what the players have to determine if it's worth playing at that for your lineups sure. at that point. But to them, they don't have to play defense. And I think that add even if they have their current product, adding another product that doesn't sure. require them to play defense, that has uh a higher hold than spreads and totals that offers a gateway of people coming in going, I got I got 50 bucks this weekend. Uh, do I just bet the Giants for 50 bucks and win $68? Or do I go, well, I'm going to take 10 bucks and go, yeah, I'm trying. I'm going to try to hit an eight-team parlay, but it's guaranteeing me $100,000. And it's then people early. may be bought into the notion of like, well, I could look and see where the lines are. Like they think they're getting the sharp side of the stuff when in fact the hold is too yeah. high regardless. So it's like you promote more of the, and they could just run that on the side. They could, they, they would want to cannibalize their own, their own product, but either way, I think something has, there has to be a catalyst. Some, I think something has to happen in the industry in the next five or so years that makes these operators care about playing defense more than they do right now. Well, they care the about first, playing defense. They're just they they're using a sled. They're using you know a howitzer gun to play defense. Yeah, I right. mean, like can can you can you can you go go into? I mean, I'm assuming you can because you posted about it about your about your lawsuit against uh, Caesars. Caesars, yes. What what I I didn't I I I think I got the gist from Twitter and everything. Is 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 this over the the Bills Bengals total? It, it is. You want the story? Yeah, yeah. Go through this. Okay. Go, go through this. So the story, story. I mean, if your listeners, you probably aren't familiar with 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 me because I'm not a DFS guy. But if you go to plusevanalytics.com, you can you can see the whole story. It's also on my Twitter. But so uh, I, I I bet a lot of NFL regular season win totals. It, it's something I've written about. It's something I have a sustainable edge on. It's something I've won, you know, several years in a row on. It, it's kind of it's it's one of the best things that I do. So 
I have got a portfolio of uh, portfolio. It's one of those uh, douche words. I shouldn't use that. I have no, a, I have I use a it set. All the time. Of- you, <laughs> use all the douche words you want. We're, we're, in fact, this I'm is, tied, this is a safe space. I'm tied in, to make up for the fact that we're using douche words because uh, I can't title it douche words and get it through on iTunes. I think I think uh, the death faking budget is going to be the. the all right. I, I always like taking out a little like clip of something, and I said the Drew the Drew. Do I do Drew Brees death faking budget or just death faking budget? But I just th- I just think it would be weird that if people looked you up, like Matt Bulk, okay. oh, I need to look up what he policy EV analytics and like the sixth search result is going to be like, what death the hell is a budget. death faking budget? Uh, I'll give you creative license. This is your show. You can you can name it whatever you want. Um, what's, I t- what's I talking about? Oh, Caesars. Yeah, so so I bet a whole bunch of uh, season win totals. I've got overs. I've got unders. I've got exact team to win exact number of games. I got all kinds of stuff. Um, I bet them at a whole bunch of places, but the, the bets in question here were placed at Caesars. Um, in Ontario, legal went legal uh, a year ago. So uh, Ontario market, great place for sports betting. Horrible place for DFS now because you can't play it. Oh, so that's a horrible place for DFS, but that's uh, somebody else's problem. Um, yeah, so all of these bet slips at Caesars say, you know, Buffalo Bills under 11 and a half wins, you know, plus 160 or whatever the, the thing was, must play 17 games for action. Right there. Couldn't be clearer. Okay, so we go through the season and, you know, I like to sort of check on how my bets are doing all the way through. And I, I see, okay, we're, we're in week 16, I think it was. Second last week of the season, I think it was week 17. Um, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm watching this Bills-Bengals game. This The tragic DeMar Hamlin thing happens. And my, my, my first thought is, holy crap, I hope he's not dead. Like, I hope he's going to be okay because, you know, that would be just a massive tragedy uh, if, if someone died on the field. Um, and then, you know, as he's getting up and they're, they're, the ambulance is coming out and this is taking longer and longer and longer, it, it's occurring to me that this game is probably not going to get finished tonight and may not get finished ever so i figure okay well all all my bills and Bengals bets are going to get voided win lose or draw i had some that uh, i didn't have any that were in the bag i had some that were dead like i had bills under 11 and a half they'd already won i think 13 or so games Mm -hmm. to that point um i had some that were live on the Bengals exact win totals and i think it was 40 to 1 um where they had to win i think two more games, including the one that was uh, the, the, the DeMar Hamlin game. So that was live. Um, so I had you know that one big one that was live and a couple that were dead. And once you figure out the EV of what was live and the, the stuff that was dead and you say, okay, well, if it all voids out, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much break even. I'm down a little bit because the stuff I had live was worth a little bit more to me than the stuff I had dead. You know, not, not, doesn't, doesn't really change. Right, but, but, but based on the, the, the... Uh, from, from what I'm getting, based on the the way that the bet is worded, yeah. Okay, so getting get into the pro, into the issue of that, if the Bell, Bills Bengals game doesn't resume at some point or gets played, the Bills and the Bengals would have only played 16 games. Yeah, I'm so just assuming on, at this point all these things are going to be voided. Like it's right, not even right, a question but, in my but, head. But I think the key point is <laughs> that the bet would be voided regardless if he had an under, regardless if he had an win, over, win, lose, or draw. Win, lose, or like if you if you had. For whatever alternate bills over one win, it would still Boy. get void, even though obviously they've got more. And if you got like on, like if you audit, if you had under bills under eight wins, Anything. which is obvious, like that would be voided also because uh, the bet says that's the rule. Rules are right. Rule. Yeah. It, it, they did not play seventeen, even though 
you lost the bet even if they played 17 games. Right. They didn't play 17 games. So based on the the wording, it's the bet the bet is void regardless of which side it was on. So all right. all futures on the Bengals, all futures on the Bills. That's Sorry. what it should be. But it yes. turns out they they free rolled so, everyone. Oh, not not quite free rolled, but so well, the they themselves free rolled on other yeah. people. They did, yeah. So the the season ends. All my bets at Caesars get graded, except for the Bills and Bengals bets. They st- they're still in there pending. Like it's obvious they don't know how to grade these things. Well, so at that point, also you don't you you don't. I mean, right over there, you don't know whether or not they're even going to play that game at some point. No, no. So they yeah. So this is oh, this, this is, is after, after they the already season. decided the that season. they're not going to play. They made that rule where if it's in the AFC Championship game, they'd play on like some neutral. Yeah, the, field. the se- season was over. They were p- not playing any more games. Mm-hmm. All my bets on every other team were settled, no problem. Bills and Bengals bets. Um, were, were settled about a week later. And what they did was the, the one Cincinnati bet that was still live got voided. And all the stuff that was drawing dead was graded as a loss. And my first thought was, holy crap, these guys free rolled me. Like you can't just void the ones that are live and kill the ones that are dead. Like you absolutely cannot do that. Now I found out later it wasn't that bad because I didn't have any bets that were guaranteed wins at that point. I just didn't happen to have any. Like I didn't have uh, bills over 10 or something that would have won either way. If I had, they would have paid it out because they paid other people out who had guaranteed wins. doesn't make it right, but at least it wasn't just a total crook move to just free roll everyone. Right. So so basically, if if, if you had a bills over 10, they paid you. They would have. Right, but if you had a bills under 10, they wouldn't pay you. Correct. Right. But technically, yeah. what they should have done is voided everyone. Right. They should have voided. And this is, it says it right on the slip. And so, um, you know, I'll spare you the long story, but I ended up complaining to Caesars. I went to the regulator and I went to, I mean, it was very clear because even if you look into the house rules, it says um, under NFL regular season win bets, games must play, teams must play 17 games for action. Like very, it's, it's there in the right. rules. It's there in the bet slip. They told me, they were grading everything that was a mathematical certainty was being graded as a win or a loss and only outcomes that were not determined were being graded as a, a, a void, which yeah, but that's not what the vac- said, but that's not in, what a, the- in a vacuum. That would be a perfectly fair way of, right. of doing it, but that's not what the rules said. You've got to follow, you know, you have rules for a reason. You've got to follow your own rules. And then and again, this is not me trying to, to, to free roll them or me trying to profit from a tragic situation. Again, I'm, I'm breaking even on this whole situation. Once you, once you look at the, the live stuff that, that was voided and the losers that should have been voided, you know, I'm, I'm breaking even overall. Now I obviously wasn't breaking even when they've graded my losers as losses and my, my live bets as pushes. Now, now, now I'm, 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 uh, I'm behind. So after a whole bunch of back and forth, the reason Caesars gave for, for, um, for taking the action they took was a rule in the football section that says, for all markets, 55 minutes must be played um, for action. So that's this obviously this is meant to apply to a single game bet. You know, fifty-five minutes of the season were played is just not a thing, right? It's just no, no, right. one, no one thinks about season-long bets that way. Um, but even the second sentence of the same rule says, if a game is postponed, it must be rescheduled in the next seven days. Otherwise, bets are void. Right. So the the, the rule that they are using as justification of why they did what they did 
if they'd read the complete rule instead of half the rule, it doesn't. Like, yeah, it, but I don't it, even it, understand it, the fifty-five minute thing. That it, game so didn't if, even play fifty-five minutes. But the, but it was a season-long bet, and they played fifty-five minutes of the season. But that's not. But that's not what the bet says. I know. Right. This is so. So it's, it sounds like someone went. So, it sounds like someone saw that and said, he's right, but let's go look through the rules to see if we can interpret anything that would that would give us some... Le- I some- don't know why they did what they did. So my, anyway, my, my, my arguments are, and this is all in, the, in, my, in my lawsuit. Number one, 55 minutes obviously is in the context of a single game bet, not a season-long bet. Right. It is an absurd rule to say 55 minutes of the season was played. But the literal bet, when you literally, I I just still don't understand when you place the actual bet, the bet literally says on the slip, must play 17 games for action. It's like, it's like an MMA bet of like, like a decision, like decision, like finish or, or no bet, like type it like, like this is for finish only. So if there's, if there's a decision, if there's if the judge's cards come out, this right. bet is void. Like so num- it's on num- the number slip. two argument was the second sentence of the same rule they're using right. um, contradicts their decision. My third argument is it is a very very common principle of law that if there are two rules that contradict each other and one is more general and one is more specific. The one that is more specific takes precedence. So this general rule was in the football section compared to this must play 17 game rule was in the um, season win section and was printed directly on the bet slip. So, you know, you can't say that this general rule overrides the more specific one. So I have three cases arguments that I think any one of them would stand on its own. Well, I mean, what type of, I mean, obviously this, this lawsuit is not for damages. This is more for precedent. Uh, I mean, like, it, how, like it, how much can you like how like you could only sue for your own personal damages. Correct. It's like you can't like there does that. I wouldn't think there's any. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Ontario, so it's not U.S. law. And I'm not a lawyer. So like what I did caveat there. Let's, let's pretend it's OK. But I don't. But I mean, I, you, you, I don't think you could I, I, sue for punitive damages. Uh, I mean, you can, but I. I may or may not get punitive damages. But I think it's but more I'm, like the, more the Caesars is fighting this because if 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 they if they lose like if they it lose opens to me them then up they, to there are i can't comment on why they may or may not be doing what they're doing but that would be a reasonable conclusion right because if you win that means like they they now 100,000 other lawsuits well, come out of the well but my, the the defense to my lawsuit came from a very very expensive Toronto law firm that I guarantee is costing them way more than it would take to just pay me what I'm claiming. So you can conclude from that what you want. But don't, but aren't these, I mean, these types of practices, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. You don't know Brian Hooper, Brick 75. Don't, he used, he used to work for, he used to work for government and now he's like, you know, now he's ultra libertarian government can't do anything, <laughs> you know, that type of like, when people say, and I and and I, I see like guys like Spanky or whatever, like consumer prote- like consumer protections in this industry are non-existent, non-existent, even with regulation, because the people regulating the industry 
know very little to none about the industry. Number one, they don't know very much about the industry. Number two, the reason they are there, in my opinion, is to protect the the interests of the government, which is the tax dollars coming in from the operators. You know, c- consumer protection, no matter what they say about you know all of this, because they say, oh, you know, you're you're, you're better off betting on on DraftKings than going and betting offshore with uh, with Bovada because. You know, if, if if there's a dispute, we'll help you. You know, you can you can resolve it. You you don't have to sue in uh, Costa Rica or the Isle of Man. You know, we we can. You're playing legally. You're onshore. You're 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 in the system. And you know, it's all it's all BS. Like they 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 want their tax dollars, and that's really that's that's the be all and end all of the situation. Well, I mean, in the DF in the DFS stuff, like, uh, but people have come to me with with disputes with DraftKings and FanDuel, and I I say, look at the terms of service. The terms of service, at some point, you will read some paragraph that basically says, I know what we we said in all of this stuff is our rules, but we could, like, do whatever we want. Like, that's, like, in the... Because we had an issue, like, literally this weekend, there was a, a NASCAR event that, obviously, NASCAR DFS exists, and there are pretty big contests for it, that they... They paid out the contest before the before they cha- like the standings were changed based on some penalties. I don't I don't play NASCAR DFS, so I have no okay. idea. But it's the type of thing where like the guy that came in ninth now is coming in at twelfth, and the guy that okay. came in eighth is now going to be the fifth place finisher. And but that all the results to the DFS. Yeah, but the DraftKings because they want churn are like okay, we're just as of right now this is what it is, and we're going to pay off based on that. Now in their rules. I can understand if you read through, it's like if in soccer, I play soccer DFS a lot. There's a lot. There's sometimes where a goal gets scored and it's off like a deflection. Yeah. And it could be an own goal. It could be a goal. It could. So who gets credit for that goal? It may be at the time of the game, they rule it an own goal for scoring purposes. And then the next day they, they review it. And they and UEFA or whatever in the Premier League, whatever the governing body says. Now Harry can't. We're going to credit that as one of Harry. Can't. Like, like, dude, you got to cut it off somewhere, right? You got to cut it off somewhere. And if the the DFS sites say like any, you know, if a if a if a, a race car driver gets penalized like two days later because of something, and his first place finish is nulled, like we ain't going back. It's like as of. That they can't moment. go and collect the winnings they paid out. Right, <laughs> right. Something like that. But the thing is, is that they pay out things whenever they feel like, like they say, they what, turn, once we right? get official scoring, we'll pay it out. But like there's some slates in, in NASCAR or golf or whatever, where they'll like the golf event is done at like 5 p.m. And they pay out at like six, but sometimes they pay out at 10. Now, if something happened between that time period where it's like, well, this guy put in a bad scorecard and no, no, he's disqualified from 18th place. Yeah. Like they'll pay out based on that because they haven't paid out yet. So this thing happened in NASCAR over the weekend where, where essentially the real finishing positions weren't the ones that were paid out. And someone should have won the first when they didn't, they came in fifth and like all this type of stuff. And they're like, like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to complain to DraftKings. And it's like, you're not going to get it. Like nothing is going to happen. Like no, it's it's a tough situation because you don't want to wait too long. I mean, I think that really what they should there should there should it shouldn't be random and arbitrary from one from one slate to the next. They should say okay, you know, either either these things are official at midnight on the the day 
the night after the thing ends or it, it's it's official you know two hours after the the event it, there should be some kind of it shouldn't just be up to them to, to whenever they feel like grading it grading it. but you can't leave it for three days and then right. say oh but i'm saying know, from a, change three days ago matt from a dispute standpoint it's like you're you're like the the point that we were making before is like yeah. oh don't bet offshore because you can't do anything. It's like, well, you, you can't do anything here either. You can't. Do, yeah. I mean, you you could sue. I mean, like you could have a lawsuit that will actually be rather than go to Costa Rica and deal with their judicial system <laughs> like that type of thing or go to go to Malta or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. I think your money is more likely to be safe. Like if you have 20,000 in your DraftKings account, I don't think you have to worry about not getting that. I mean, like, like I don't think you have to worry e- about not necessarily that, but even even that, because you're right. You're like, okay, well, if I'm on an offshore site and they disappear tomorrow, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have at least some kind of, of, I don't know if they have some kind of guarantee your money is safe or audits or se- separate accounts or whatever. So yeah, you might think that you're, you're protected somewhat, and you are. But there was an operator in Ontario that exited the market, I think it was about a month and a half ago, because it was during March Madness. It was, uh, I think it was Cool Bet. So they're, and they're, they're still active, but they exited the Ontario market and they said, okay, as of April, uh, March, whatever the date was, we're out of the market. Any pending bets, futures as of that date, um, I think it was something like if they've already lost, if they've already settled, we're going to pay them out or grade them as losers. If they're still open, we're going to refund you. Right. So all the March Madness futures, this was, I think, uh, midway through the tournament. If your team had lost already... You're done. If your team was still in, you get your money back. Complete free roll. Right. And, and you know, if, if instead of just re- voiding all of even if you lost, it's right. just a voided market. Or instead of just letting the bets settle out and right. saying, okay, well, for a month after the exit date, because this this company still exists and they're still doing business. Right. Just not in Ontario anymore. It isn't like they're bankrupt. They made the decision that we're not going to operate in Ontario anymore. Fine. That's their right. But if there was a regulator in place who knew and or cared more about how this stuff actually worked, they would require exiting operators to have some kind of a plan for how to make a, a an orderly exit rather than just free roll and screw everyone. But, you know, obviously didn't happen. So even there, you're not protected. Well, even, I mean, I mean... Dude, I've seen I've seen people where they get banned or something, or some they they don't even get told why their account was closed, and they Trader can't get decision. their money out. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I've I've I've, I've 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 seen I've seen I've seen people I've heard from people that I'm locked out of my account. I have fifteen thousand dollars in there, and they're telling me that I can't make any. Be- they're they're literally telling me that. We don't want your action anymore. And it's like, okay, fine, but like give me my and money. They say, oh, we don't we need documentation. We have to prove that you're not laundering money or right. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they, they make up excuses to try and no and string you th- along. There, there was one there was one account. Uh, this it was like maybe two months ago. I I I got DM'd about it or whatever. Because someone asked me if it because it it was it was on DraftKings, uh where someone was refund it it was it was dread i'm not i'm not like i said i i don't want to i don't want to get into any legal problem of saying something that didn't happen whatever this is what i was told and maybe there's more to the story so like that's my caveat 
to it. Like, I'm just... I'm you, you never know exactly what happened. I never know. Maybe there's something up. But the thing is, is that they were refunded their their initial deposit. But based on their... what, And they didn't explain to him why we're, we're closing your account. Because they won't tell you why. They'd say, we had an investigation and we can't tell you any of the details of it other than go fuck yourself. And they refunded his money that he deposited... But he's been winning on the, like, he's been winning. Like, so he has $30,000, $40,000 in the account. It's like, here's here's your $3,000. But all the money that you won, we're just going to keep. Because imagine we, a justice system that worked like that. We, we think you committed a crime. We're not going to tell you what it is or give you a chance to defend yourself. Right. You know, you're, you're, you, we're, we're, and, and, you, and, you, can, and you can't sue us for winning because basically they're yeah. saying it's like, you know, you you deposited three thousand dollars, and we are giving you back that three thousand dollars that you bet over the past six months because you deposited you can, that. You can you sue won, them for withholding you, you your You beat us balance. for thirty grand or so, but we ain't giving you that money. Like we ain't would, we're keeping that. I would sue in a heartbeat for that. They, well, they can't I, just I, withhold I, your account balance. Assuming that's the case, because obviously, who knows? There's some multi account. Like maybe. Maybe they shouldn't get the other thirty thousand. Like Maybe. I don't know. know, but from all intents and purposes of who I heard it from, mm. I don't think they're doing anything. It's just like no, they just closed my account out of the blue, and they said, "Here's your here's your money back." It's like, well, how about all the other rest of the money? It's like, like we'll give At you the very we'll least give you, your initial you an explanation of they can't just say, "Well, we don't feel like paying you." Like we we think you violated our terms of service. We're not going to tell you how or why. Right? No, that's exactly that, what they said. They said that that, that that shouldn't fly. Right, and again, any regulator who who is invested in this would not allow that. Like, imagine a securities regulator saying, "Well, you, you, your 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 broker is going to void your stock trade, you know, six months after your stock doubled in price. They're going to give you back your original purchase price, and they're not going to tell you why." Like, right. there's no way in the in the in the normal world that would be allowed. But the, but to, to get into the the final thing I wanted to talk about about. Obviously, this is the theory of DFS podcast. I do talk about sports betting and prop betting. It's all tangential. I talk about poker, right? You had me at theories. That's okay. Right. Uh, Transitioning for like, if you're a D, like if you've been playing DFS for a while, but not really sports betting, uh, maybe your state now has it and it's legal and whatever type of thing. The the number one, when people ask me, it's like, okay, you're moving over. Like, I want to do some prop betting, right? Type of stuff. Like, especially if you come from DFS, you're less inclined it's to the obvious. It's the obvious step. thing of like, oh, well, I'm going to bet. I'm, what's the probability of this guy hitting a home run? Uh, a 30%. Well, what's, what am I getting? Plus 500. Like I should be taking that, but right. Or you, you, how, how what, what does he project? 7.82 strikeouts. And is, and it's a, it's a five and a half line. It's like at my, at, at minus minus one thirty. it's like, well, I should be betting the over there. I mean, like, like it's very easy to switch over. But I think yeah. the num- the number one thing I, I tell I tell people that switch over that it's you versus the, that that you're not guaranteed action. Like I say, right. it's easy. Would you agree with this sentiment? Assuming that you have some not like assuming that you're using some type of model, like you you have some method of origination, or you're doing a top down type of approach of like I'm just looking at a screen and arbitraging like information before stale lines and steam chasing and that type of stuff. Cause both are legitimate ways of, of making money in DFS. You're more likely to go with the origination view because you're using yes. projections to build your DFS lineups. Why not use them to bet on props? It's a, it's a very small step from one to the other. Right. 
I said, what the 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 hard truths that are different from DFS to sports betting from a from a a, a money making venture. I'm not talking about just from a casual type of perspective. I said, number one, you're not guaranteed action, while in DFS you are. Like it's like it's easy to beat the lines. <laughs> It's hard to get money down. In DFS, it's not hard to get money down because the sites don't give up. If there's a just, contest, just tell, you can play tell anything Tell these DFS want. guys, take, take, a, take a video of yourself the first time you get limited to 64 cents by a, by a sports book. And the, the ex- I want to see the expression on their faces the first time that happens to them because they will not be used to that from the DFS world. But I mean, but that's, right. but, but, but that's the number. Like, or, and also, uh, the prop markets are not like the spread in total. Like you can't go in. Cause I, I I've had people that that's like, Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start prop betting. And it's like, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to find the best bet on the board and bet a thousand bucks on it. It's like, I don't think you're going to get a thousand dollars on that. It's like, why can't I just bet a thousand dollars on this, this home run prop? It's like, they're going to, they, they don't take thousand dollar bets from new accounts on, on, well, I saw someone like, dude, if you see someone on Twitter that's placing $15,000 prop bets, they're a, they're a mega losing whale or yeah. some promote like like they're they're an influencer that they're using it for like, dude, you can't get $1,000 on. You could get $1,000 across eight books on that if you want. These are the same guys who say, hey, you like the Chiefs? Go to Vegas and put a million dollars down on the Chiefs. Like you can we can waltz into a book right. in Vegas with a million bucks in cash and just say, here you right. go. Like it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Right, so and, people and, don't yeah. don't realize it's like no, you have to you have to put money into you know all the books that you're you can, and then you have to work it out where it's like where how much can I get down on this here? How much can I get down on that there? And for prop betting, the markets are less efficient; they're lower limits, and yep. even if you it you could find plenty of edges there, but I'm not sure how realistic it is. Would you agree with this? I think that. With a decent sized bankroll, a DFS type of bankroll, I don't think it's that hard, that difficult to twenty five thousand to make twenty five thousand dollars in profit on prop bets over the course of a year. But I no. think it's very difficult to make a half a million dollars. Agreed. Yep, I'm with you. And, and DFS again, similar to horse betting, like there. You, if you go to the track and say, I want a million dollars on number two to win, they'll take it. You know, they'll, t- they'll pay you one to whatever. They'll pay you, <laughs> they'll pay you whatever, but they're not going to refuse your action. So, so yeah, people coming from a paramutual space to a, to a fixed odd space are, are, will have little to no comprehension of, of limits, of bands, of, of because it's one thing to take money from a pool of random people. But when you're taking money from an entity, a sports book, you know, th- these guys don't like losing money, and, and they're going to play defense, like you said. And you can't you can't expect to just waltz in on goal and take a shot into an empty net. Like you, there's going to be someone. You can't expect to come in and, and take their death faking budget. Exactly, they need that. <laughs> who's who's going to be next? But also, but also, just from the realistic value of like. Like how much money, like, like for instance, like getting, finding profit, like an MLB, I, it's not difficult. I mean, with the, with the decent model to go around and pick off in the morning or the night before or something when they post and obviously his lineup changes. Oh, Trout's not in the lineup. So maybe, 
the strikeout prop should go down. You catching yeah. it before they move a half a strikeout, like to get like get fifty dollars down here, hundred dollars down. Like you probably have to spread it out. It's not like yeah. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take all of this and like I'm gonna. What's the best prop number? On this thing, like like you get over five and a half strikeouts, and one book has minus one thirty, one book has minus one twenty eight, one book has minus one twenty five. It's like, oh well, I'm gonna go to the one with minus one twenty five and bet five hundred bucks. It's like, it's more likely that you're gonna go there and bet two hundred, and then bet one fifty at the minus one twenty eight, and then bet a hundred at the minus one thirty because you're probably not gonna be able to get five hundred dollars down. At and once, the, the place you bet two hundred, tomorrow's limits will be forty six cents. That right, book, so that you burn that book. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think it, you're right that that it's probably the, the barriers to entry to winning at sports betting, especially in props, are much lower than in DFS. It is much much harder to scale. Right. Um, well, I mean, in DFS, it's the op- DFS. Weirdly enough, is the opposite. Yeah. DFS is the type of thing where the barrier of entry is high. As far as like the skill level of to be good at it, right? But once you're good at it, you see with high volume players, scaling it is actually the easy. I mean, with computer programming and like, dude, a lot of the you talk to the the 150 maxer types and play multiple sites. It's like, dude, I've built a whole system that automates everything, spits out lineups, and like I let it run. Once everything updates, I let it run for seven minutes, and I got all my lineups. Type of like it's easier to scale. Sports betting doesn't have that. Matt, in sports betting, you can't uh, get – there's no CSV upload of your bets. You can't go to a sports book and go, I'd like to bet on these 174 things at once no. and just well, upload sure, via CSV. I'm sure Spanky has something kind of like that. But that you have to be like a world-class, sophisticated operation to be able to scale sports betting um, anywhere near how you might want to scale a DFS play. That's, uh, that's totally true. But that caps the ceiling of how much – it is, but you know, for for ninety nine point nine percent of regular Joes listening to this who who aren't trying to make a million dollars a year, you know, like you said, it is not that hard to make a small to moderate amount of money um, in sports betting by picking off stale lines by line shopping. Line shopping is the so so we talked about four and a half percent hold. If you're just a, a Joe schmo, I can get your four and a half percent down to one one and a half percent with twenty seconds of education. Find an odd screen. They're out there. They're free. Open as many books as you can. Not even counting the bonuses you're going to get. Forget that. Just in in the amount of, of bite you can take out of the household by making whatever bet you're going to make. You want to bet your favorite team? Go nuts. You want to bet overs every game? Go nuts. Just bet. Find the best line in the market for whatever it is you want to bet. Now you're paying 1.5% hold, let's say, instead of 4.5%. You're not winning. But you've cut your, your, your negative EV down by quite a bit. And then you can start saying, well, I'm going to find a good spot here. I'm going to find an arbitrage spot here. I'm going to use a DFS projection and originate a number here. And then you just start, you start building it up from there. I, I'm, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It is not, in, in no gambling in the world is it easy to win long term. Right. Um, but, and, a, and a lot of that comes down to discipline. Sure. D- discipline is, is is part of it, but also you you have a it, it is not sufficient to be fifty one percentile better than average and win at this because the house take and no matter what you're playing is so high, you know you have to be depending on the domain you know ninety ninety five ninety nine ninety nine point nine percentile good at this in order to be a long term winner. But the discipline, not impossible. 
But the, to me, the discipline matters because here's an example, Matt. It's we're what three weeks into the baseball season. I'm I'm using bat Barry Cardi's bat projections, which you can buy, right? I'm in his bat Discord on Roto Grinders. I mean, like yeah. I use his DFS projections. I use I mean I project I subscriptions everywhere. So I mean, so I I want to see what everyone else is seeing also. Uh, and I said that like I'm a, I'm up seventy seven hundred dollars in props so far, and someone that is also betting props in in uh, in with bad projections are like, how are you up? I'm down. So I'm like, I don't, I'm yeah, maybe I, there's some days I take off. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some mark, some lines I didn't catch in time, or I got the wrong side of it went the other way. It turned out because someone on the lineup changed or the weather turned or something. But I'm like, like how? And I'm like, and I'm asking like, well, what are you doing differently? And you know what it turns out? This is the statistical biases from what we talked about in the beginning. It's like, it's a, a, a discipline in staking. It's sure. because what ends up, what ended up happening is that why that person is down is because they would bet, you know, 50 bucks, a par, 50 bucks, a prop, right? They'd bet 10 props on a day, go eight and two. And then the next day go, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do fifty fifty a prop I'm good again. At this now I'm gonna double my, my right bets right and then and then they do it the second day they go fifty dollars a prop and go eight and two again and they're like well yeah I'm I'm like dude maybe I should be betting more on this so the third day they go I'm gonna bet two hundred each and then they go two and eight yeah right and right. then they go oh in order to make my money back the next day I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do Two, I'm gonna do two fifty, and then they go five and five, which means yeah. they lose a little bit, and then they come back to the fifty dollars. Then they go back to fifty dollars, and they go eight and two, and it's like, once you come out, it's like, dude, your your staking is like it. You're you can, go go by a percentage, no matter what day it happens to be. If you just even if you don't have any type of Kelly exact Kelly calculation or anything, just say. Just say, okay, I have X bankroll. Like you just say, devote to the side, go, I have a $20,000 bankroll. I have a $10,000. Let's just say you have a $10,000 bankroll and you're like, I'm going to bet 1% on every prop, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, and it's hard to do that psychologically. It's, it's right. the right thing to do. But, you know, you but then, but then on that, fir- on that first you're- day, you're betting $100 a prop. But if you won some and now you're up to $11,000, that means the next day you're betting $110. Yeah, that's easy. But you have a losing day and now you're betting 90 and you're like, oh, right. I bet 100 yesterday. I'm not going to get the same rush from betting 90. Like, I, I, it's, it's even though what you're suggesting is technically better to, to amateurs, I would suggest flat betting. Pick a unit size, 100 bucks a bet, bet 100 bucks. Don't move until you're... You know, until you're comfortable, you know, for for make a large number of bets at a fixed stake size, because human psychology is undefeated. You you can't you can't beat your own brain. Well, that's what I mean by but, discipline. I'm disciplined enough to do the percentage. Like you're 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 rare in that case. Um, but most of us, the best we can hope for is to neutralize it, where we don't we don't put our brains in a position where they're vulnerable to all these biases where they're vulnerable to saying, well, I can't bet 90 when I bet a hundred yesterday, you know, I, I'm going to bet 110 just to, just to make sure get get the juices flowing. Like this is, this is how most people think, because this is how our brains are wired. But I mean, but I, I, to me, the unit stuff, 
I don't know when that, when did that happen? I mean, because I was involved a little bit in the sports betting syndicate a while back in like 2005 for baseball for two seasons. Uh, the unit size thing never, I, like to me, I feel, is, is it, is it, st- you clarify to me, because maybe, maybe I'm the one that's, that's wrong and old fashioned and maybe the vernacular is different these days, but like, I never, I never had a unit size. You have a percent, like percent of bankroll. It's like, okay, I'm betting 1.7% on this 0.8% on the, like, but there's no like, like a unit size. And whenever I, I, whenever I see someone on Twitter or something saying I'm up 17.8 units, I go bullshitter. I just like, like to me, it's a big signal of, oh, you're selling something. You're not an actual sports better. Cause I, um, I, I don't, I, I don't feel like sports betters talking sense. Do you bet on unit? Do you value? So, so I can understand like uh, yeah. percentage of bankroll or ROI percentage. Like I could say that I have a 13% right now this season. I have a 13% ROI in props. Yeah. What, what does it matter what unit number it is? Like that so, the ROI number is the one that matters. So yes, the ROI number does matter. Um, My units are different. Like that's what I'm like. How do I express? I'm up 39 units. It's like, I don't have a unit. Because your vet size is variable. That, right. That's perfectly fair. I, I think the main p- people who, who, who work in units, I don't think they're, they're thinking as deeply about this as, as, as you might be. I think the main motivation for talking in units is it is um, uncouth to say, I'm up $64,000 this year. Right. Um, well, that's know, why you go with ROI. If you say, uh, I'm up 14%. I, I have 14% ROI. I have an 8% ROI. It still does, does, doesn't say like the number. To me, it viewed, I view units as a way. The only reason you'd use units is because you're saying, if you do what I do, whatever, like I may bet $1,000 units, you may bet $5 units. So like if you would have done what I did, you'd be up 22X, whatever your unit size is. Right. And mine is 100, yours is five. But to me, that's not conveying it. Like that would be the only purpose of conveying that information. And to another sports better for me to, Matt, if I told you, it's like, here, I'm going to show you all the bets that I've made so far. And uh, I'm up, I'm up uh, 67 point five units it's like the unit size doesn't like it'd be like well what what is what is your what is your roi not your what does yeah. it matter what so, the so units are the unit size matters if your unit size is is a fixed you're not betting you know one unit one game and 50 units next game because then then the whole thing doesn't mean anything but if you're betting you mean you mean you're not down with vegas dave with the three thousand you yeah, so no, that's, his, that's the that's the worst example, right? But, obviously, obviously, I, I've I've seen some of some of his stuff. Obviously, we make fun of him. I mean, he's like the the classic one. Where how did how do you have more units than the percentage of your bank? Like so, well, he the says math something like a unit out. is zero point six percent of your bankroll. That's ridiculous. It's and then he's like, bet fifty thousand units. It's like, well, that's no. like four times the size of your bankroll. Like, how does that? So, work? I'll, I'll give you an, uh, a. a somewhat weak defense of the unit system. If people are betting around one unit per bet, you know, maybe they might go to two units a bet, but they're not going to go to 50 units a bet. And they say, I'm up 68 units this year. That is more meaningful than saying my ROI is 42% this year because I can have a 42% ROI on three bets. What right. does that mean? None. If, if your unit size is, is around one unit a bet, it's kind of like saying in poker, oh, I, I'm up 63 big blinds. Like it's a, it's a right. It's a scaling, right? Mm. 
you're up 63 big blinds. Well, you can be up that much at a one, two game or at a five, 10 game or a hundred, 200 game. But it's, uh, but by, by expressing it as a ratio of the sort of stake size on the table, it's a, it's sort of a, a scale neutral measure of how well you did. So I can tell you I won $64,000 or my ROI was 40%, but was that on one lucky bet? Was that on three bets? Was that on 5,000 bets? Whereas I'm up 64 units. If, if we accept the, the either stated or unstated idea that I'm betting one unit a game, then you have a sample size sort of implicit in there. See, my influence, That's my defense of units. Yeah, but my influence right now comes from the DFS space. Like I view that the thing, the thing that, that the metric, the KPI, if you want to call it, yeah, that I look at the most in DFS is is ROI percentage, but not ROI on like when you say a unit size of sixty eight units, that's on a bulk. DFS sure. is a game that's played daily. So if you tell me that you play double up, like we're getting even rid of the GPPs where like you could make a hundred thousand a day and lose 99 other days. We're talking about the double ups where if you win more than 56% of the time, you're profitable. Right. Yep. And if I tell like a good cash game, double up head to head ROI at, at a reasonable stakes is like, four to six percent like if you if you if you have a five percent roi but i'm not talking about a five percent roi of like well i bet fifty thousand dollars over the course of a season and now i have uh twenty five hundred dollars in profit it's five percent roi on the money so if i put same, in same thing though if i if i say i'm i'm up if i if i say i've won sixty percent of my double ups that might be really impressive or it might be nothing depending on my time horizon right if i say i'm up 14 buy-ins you know, then I either went 14 and 0 or I'm playing over a pretty long time horizon and it, and it means more, doesn't it? No. I want to know, I want to know what my, when I, like, for instance, Matt, I just told you that I have right now this season, right? Because I just, I mean, I haven't done props since NFL. So, like, basically, start of MLB, I have a 12% ROI. What does that mean? What? How do you interpret that that data? It's probably after after yesterday, probably thirteen percent. But let's just say twelve percent. What does that mean? What does that functionally mean to you? Not, not much, because I don't know what your betting volume is. Are you up twelve percent on eight bets or eight thousand bets? Um, I, I, the way that I'm viewing it is that I, on average, if I bet a a thousand dollars today on props. My expected return is one hundred and twenty dollars. How are you getting one hundred and twenty dollars? So I'm a, I have a twelve percent ROI in props. One hundred one hundred and twelve dollars, but that that's a, there's a big difference between what you've done in the past and what you expect to do in the future, and that difference is randomness. If you if you play your first day and you go right, obvi- obviously and- you have sample size. I'm, I'm if I told you I have a twelve percent ROI over. Five years of betting on MLB. That that means a lot. Okay, if, if okay. You're betting, well, yeah. But I'm just saying. But the but but the mindset of like I don't have twelve percent up. It's not like it's not an APR thing. It's a how if I if I bet a if I bet a hundred dollars, I should expect on average to win twelve dollars. But you don't know that. You don't know what your EV is. You know your historical ROI, right? Which sure. is a combination of your EV and your luck and any changes that have taken place in the game between right. your past and your future. So 
It's not as simple as I've made 12%, therefore I'm going to make 12%, even if your sample size is large. Right. No, I, I agree with The game changes you. over time. Right. But just like in DFS, like DFS players, that's, that's over, the Over metric. a large sample of bets, an right. ROI is more meaningful than a unit count. Right. Over a small number of bets, a unit count is more meaningful than an ROI. I, I agree with that. I'm talking more in concepts of larger sample sizes. Then yes. Right. But if someone okay. just says my ROI is 12% and I don't know who they are or what they're right. doing, I don't know if that's 12% over eight bets or 8,000 bets. Right. Well, of course. Right. And the same thing when people come to, people come to me and said, I've been, play, I've been playing uh, uh, and I just started playing NBA DFS. I've been playing for two months. Uh, my ROI is 3,600%. I'm like, like I, I'm assuming you won first place in something yeah, recently. Uh, yeah. The guy yeah, I just won, won $50,000. It's like, yeah. Like, but that's not, you're not going to have a sustainable million on Powerball. My Powerball <laughs> ROI is 600 million percent. Okay, right. Well, right. <laughs> right. No, no, not, no I get real. exactly what you're saying, but. But the th- the just the thought process of I don't care about the units I care about like money in money out on a given day rather than on like what is my ROI like did I I can I'm perfectly fine with uh, even if you want to say like over the course of a of a, 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 a an average season which is still too too much of a chunk to say on average in MLB on props I five x my my bankroll like that's. I mean, you're just basically chunking it out, going 12% return compounded over. I mean, that's because really, really, Matt, that's the basis of why DFS is still appealing to sharp players. Yeah. Because it's, it's when people say it's like, oh, well, you can only get a 4% ROI in cash games. It's like, that's not like 4%. Like, oh, 4%, you could do better on, with the S&P 500. I go, no, you can't. I said, well, S&P typically at 9%, like, yeah, nine percent yearly. <laughs> I'm getting four percent daily. daily. Right, right, <laughs> right. If I could get nine percent yeah. daily, I'd be putting all my money in the index. Yeah, sure. it's a it's a it's a very common rookie mistake to to mix up their time horizons. Right. Uh, so anyway, so is, there, so is there anything anything else that that you would you would you would advise as someone that may never play really played DFS seriously, of that people with that DFS mindset, the way that they play DFS. But the way they manage their money in DFS and everything, transitioning over to prop betting, sports betting. Start start with player props. Do what you're good at. Open as many accounts as you can. Take advantage of sign-up bonuses. Line shop your heart out. There are odd screens out there that have player props on them. Um, As long as you're making your bets at the best number you can find, uh, you you can still lose, but you can lose more slowly than if you're just making all your bets at one book. And then my 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 uh, my advice is always like just get the best number as early as you can. Yep, you got it. Like if you if you can, and if you don't, I, I think especially if you're going off fixed projections, there's no there's no need to wait. There's no reason to wait unless right. you want limits to go up. There's no need to wait if you're if you're buying projections that say you know six point four strikeouts. It's not going to change. Well, it you could change well depending on the batting on the, the, sure. the batting order and the lineup and everything. Uh, uh, one of the number one questions I get, because I do I do talk about prop betting and what I do, I show it on my show. Uh, what's the best time? I get these, but like, because they'll say, it's like, okay, I'm going to look at the projections and then I'm going to compare it to the lines. What's mm-hmm. the best time? Because now when I, I, I accentuate, like when possible, get the get the best line you can as early as possible. And they go, well, when should I bet? I said, said, Whatever is available to you at that moment, like it's 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 quite possible. If, if the limits are not constraining you, then yeah, the earlier the better. But you, the, the point that I'm making, Matt, is that 
if I, it's not, the DFS players always think in terms of zero-sum games, of like, if I don't get the best number, is it worth even doing? And I'm like, there could still be value even if it isn't the best number. Like, if, if you're the- You can't if, predict how the line's going to move later right. in the day. But right, if but you're, if you're betting on good information, it's okay. going to move in your favor more often than not, and that's right. all you and need. If, and if you miss something, like because what ends up happening is that someone someone will ask me, it's like, uh, it's like uh, I see what, what all the props that you you bet on. Uh, when's the best time? When do when do you bet on them? And I go whenever I wake up in the morning. And I go, you yeah. don't have a time. I go, well, I, I could bet a pitcher prop, and then there's a lineup change, and a, one of the right. strikeout prone hitters gets drafted. Yeah, it could happen. All, all of these unknowns could help you. They could hurt you. You have, you have to let it go. Right. Let it on the information. Whatever the time you have, whatever the time it like, don't say you could, if you want to, you could set your alarm at seven in the morning and see what's available. Yeah, sure. And if you set, let's say you set your alarm at 10 let's say you got up at 10 and you, and you see what's available. Then let's say it turns out there were two bets that were available at seven that aren't there at 10. Does that mean you said, Oh, well, because I missed those two bets. I'm going to just start closing out my accounts and never betting again. Like, oh, like okay, so you missed those. Two. Okay, what's available now? Like, the only like, reason to wait is if you're betting $1,000 a, a unit and right. you can't get that much down at 7 a.m. and you can at 10, well, then you wait. Right. Other than that, forget it. But but it, but it's uh, not like DF, like people think in terms of DFS of like, yeah. like dude, if, 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 if this guy out here is getting all the good numbers and I'm only left with the three good numbers rather than the six good numbers, I shouldn't be betting. It's like... Like no, we're not playing. We're not playing against each. We're not playing against each other. Just right. Yeah, I'll make a little bit more money because I I've made some more bets. But like, dude, make your money also. Go for it. And then and then uh, and then go to analytics.bet or whatever you you right. <laughs> Analytic, yeah. I mean, it, but we, I think we, I think uh, anal- I think your your course is a little bit more for like 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 really serious stuff it, it, it is it is for really serious like it, it is not analytics 101 there's lots of other great places out there that will give you that mine's a little more advanced if you go to analytics.bet check out the the syllabus uh it's not cheap if it's if it's for you great if it's not for you fine i got pr- plenty of free content on my twitter and at plusevanalytics.com uh as well right because I, I looked through some of some of the stuff that you put out it's stuff that's like yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I like like it's a type of thing where it's like, well, if I'm building my if I'm scaling and building my own stuff, yeah, it'd be useful. But like for the intent of purposes that of what I'm doing, you don't need it. You're right. fine. You're doing you're right. doing you're doing fine with what you're doing. Right. At at it and and I always say if it gets to the point where I need to do what you're doing, the market's probably horrible to begin with. <laughs> probably probably I'll just move on to something else. To each his own. Right. Okay, at plus EV analytics. That's P L U S. I don't think you can put a plus sign on Twitter. Is Twitter still alive? By the by, the time I don't know. Twitter could be dead at some point. I've been talking to you for like four hours, so I don't I haven't I haven't checked lately, but I think it is. At plus EV analytics on Twitter, uh, plus EV analytics dot com, analytics dot bet. Matt Buckhalter, thank thanks for coming on and having a conversation. I think I think anytime. I think for the most part, we agree on like ninety eight percent of stuff. We're building bridges here, the DFS world, the betting world. We're we're not that different. A li- we're a, li- a little bit different. A little, a little, a li- a little I, I think I think that. I'll, do you, here, last thing is: is there more bitching and moaning on gambling Twitter or on DFS Twitter? I don't really read DFS Twitter, so I I, I couldn't tell you. But I, I it's it, it's hard to get more than what we see on gambling Twitter. <laughs> DFS Twitter, dude. That 
Matt, the, 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 the whining is more about when some high-owned, like, mm. player that didn't project as well as they should be owned, like, has two home runs. Like, that's mm. when people start whining. Or, or, or the, or the, the guy that, that, that someone got at low ownership gets injured in, like, the first half of a basketball game. It's like, of course, unowned, unowned Ben Simmons, unowned well, they, they, Jimmy They Bob cry Bob. for refunds in the gambling Twitter when that oh, happens. Oh, God. I, don't get me started on <laughs> we'll that. We'll save that for, for, next, for my, my, my next uh, appearance, yeah. if there is one. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks a lot for having me on. And as always, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. Pick up the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.